0: This podcast is brought to you by Meteorite.
1: Welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel, conversations from the frontline, a podcast and live show for survivors and the leaders who support them. I'm your host, Kelly Humphreys, a survivor of child sexual abuse, advocate, author, speaker, ambassador, a lover of all things outdoors, with over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Please support me in my mission to break cycles of abuse and trauma. You can help by donating to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. G'day guys and welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel. We're at episode 11. I am so excited to have the amazing Millthorpe family with me tonight. Um, I've just met these this, well, this incredible Awesome Foresome at the National Child Protection Forum. And they were just so inspiring. And I just said, guys, you just need to come and join me on Off the Cuff with Kel. So, welcome, guys. I'm so um, happy and excited to have you here to share your story and make some ripples with me. (laughs) So, welcome. Thank Thank you. Thank you. So it's going to be different, guys, tonight. I'm not used to having more than one person at a time, so bear with us. This is um, going to be a very interesting episode. Um, so before we go any further, though, I will just advise you guys that some of the things that we will talk about tonight might be a little bit difficult. Um, so you might find some things that we talk about uh, triggering, but there are some support numbers on my website at kellyhumphreys.com if you do feel you need to talk to someone. So please make sure you do that. So, guys, i um, how about we just start with a bit of an introduction. Uh, we'll start with uh, Michelle and Brent, if you want to introduce yourselves and I get the girls to introduce yourselves, I think that might be the easiest way to do this. So starting with you, Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle. And did you? what do you want to know about it? Just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and then we'll hand over to yeah, um, I'm the mum of
0: three magnificent daughters. We've got Pippa and Rose here. We've also got Maggie um, at home. We um, live in Aubrey, New South Wales. We moved here from Cootamundra. Um, so I think there were a couple of people from Cootamundra that were wanting to have a look tonight. Um, we, I'm a teacher. I work with uh, teenagers and um, I love what I do. Um, yeah, so that's me at in a nutshell, my feet are frozen because I've just been coaching netball and it's only about eight degrees
1: here at the moment. So, yeah. Uh, idea, Brent?
2: I'm Brent and uh, I'm the token male of the family. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I've been in construction. That's what I do for a living. I work um, in, in an office now, used to be on the tools, but now um, probably found a bit of a new passion with um, the Rural Fire Service. I'm involved in that now. Uh, played a lot of football and sport, and the kids are letting us doing all the driving now. So um, we, we do all the driving for them.
1: Just you wait till you have to teach them to drive, Brent. We're well, done we've twice. done twice. <laughs> One to go. Oh, You've well practice then, so you should have some patience by the time you finished. <laughs> yep. All
3: right, girls, over to you. Pip,
1: let's start with you.
3: Um, I'm Pip. I'm 18 and currently in year 12, so I only have like 10 weeks left, I think, of actual schooling and then some exams,
1: which is exciting. But yeah, I don't know. There's not much about me. I'm sure there's a lot more about you. So you're not counting the days or anything? Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) No worries. What about you, Rose? Rose? Um, I'm Rose. I'm 14.
4: Yeah, there's not much about, to know about me either, so I'm pretty boring.
1: You know, I'm <laughs> so not true. I, I, you're both Warriors. I know that you want to play in the AFL Women's League. Is that right?
4: Yes, definitely. One That's of my cool. goals
1: to achieve, and I reckon I'm going to get there, but it's going to take some time. <laughs> Good on you, mate. And what do you want to do when you finish um, school? Um, well, I want to.
3: I might have a gap year next year, but I want to go to uni and I think I want to study paramedicine and
1: nursing. Hell yeah, always need paramedics. Yeah, um, they work well with the police. So, you said so you I thought you wanted to be a police officer, Rose. Oh, yeah, I definitely do. That's
4: one of the things I want to do, but I reckon I want to do a trade first, and then once I get to that, like 1920, start going to try and go for that police force and see how well I go. But, Right. leads me you got a good reference right here
1: eh <laughs> all right so guys like you've had like an incredible journey um, to get here and I mean I know just hearing you at the conference recently I was it's, it's only such a snippet of of what's you know sort of happened with you guys and um, you know I don't want to go like right into like a you know, pip and Rose like your your stories of actually getting through your child abuse and things like that because um You know, I'd rather concentrate on on the journeys up up to this so far because there's just so much um, that's so empowering that, you know, we can take and that you can share um, with those who are listening. So um, if you could just step us through just a little bit of your journey to get to this point here because I know you've done some amazing stuff. You've got the Justice Didn't Hurt campaign. You work with the wonderful Nina. Uh, news.com.au and you've made some big changes in the um, New South Wales courts. So I'd love to hear about that journey. If you guys could step us through that. Um, I don't know who's best to start that conversation. Um,
2: We could uh, probably... We're just going to let the dog in because the dog's annoying. So Michelle, you start.
0: (laughs) We've got a dog who thinks he's a human and he wants to be part of this too. Um, (laughs) Look, I, th- I think um, if we go right back to the beginning, um, we found out in 2013 um, that the girls had been um, abused by a good family
5: friend of ours. Um, rose was five and it was eight and a half of um,
0: Obviously, it changed all of the things for us um, and it changed everything. Mm. Um, you know, we sort of thought we were, you know, nailing things. We nailing all
5: the girls at school we've done the the preschool school and um, childcare drop-offs in the morning, you know, for a number of years and we're sort of looking
0: forward to that end of that period where they'd all be in one place. Um, Anyway, obviously it shook us and um, we, you know, we sort of call it our parallel universe. We slipped, you know, jumped tracks there for a little bit. Um, And then we entered this world that we really were not equipped for um, and I don't think anyone is ever prepared for the types of things that that happened after that. Um, You know, we we ended up obviously going to the police um, and the man was charged with his offences. And then we were in this holding pattern for about two and a half years until the girls went to court. I suppose what we found in that time was um, that, as well-meaning and wonderful as all the service providers and the people that we're involved with were, um, it was a really difficult space to navigate as a family Um, and it was probably only that we questioned and, um, you know, asked questions all the time about what was happening and why it was happening and who we should go to and things like that that we were able to probably navigate that space um, and also have We had a lot of support with our family and friends around us at that time too. So it made it a little bit easier for us. Um, The court process itself, we really expected that to be a healing and empowering experience Um, and we were grossly naive about that um, because that's certainly not what happened. Um, And, you know, it was a a two-and-a-half-year wait uh, the girls. The court case itself went for four and a half weeks. We were in Sydney, so we were staying in Sydney. And um, I really feel that um, the girls were emotionally abused by that process. It, they mm. were traumatized. It was horrific. Um, and that sort of, you know, we we finished that in 2016, and obviously we've moved on with things and. know we've kept moving forward and and those sorts of things but um in the back of our minds it was always that that process is not okay Mm. um it's antiquated it's set up to protect the wrong people yeah um yeah so i suppose in a nutshell that's that is our story um, obviously there's a lot more involved in that um,
5: yeah. But,
1: yeah so i'm um, just a question for the girls so how did you find the courage um, to to come forward and say what had been happening um, well rose actually was the
3: first one to tell
1: yeah well i mean yeah. i was only young
4: and obviously someone that's young said wants to say They don't like something, not knowing what what it means. Yeah. So I said it obviously, not knowing what anything meant. And yeah, (laughs) it just started from there, really.
1: Yeah. Well, it's very brave and it's a very hard thing to do as a young person. And I guess the reason I ask is because we do, I I do have a lot of actually really young women your age who actually watch and, and listen. And that making that actual decision to come forward is just so difficult sometimes and I, I guess i just find that so courageous because i know what that's like you know i know, yeah. I know what that moment is where you you kind of like not really sure what's going to happen and what mom and dad are going to think and you know what whether they're going to love you still or not and you know like those are the things that went through my head even though rationally i was like oh i'm, I'm pretty sure they still will but there's just part of me that was like oh i don't know i'm not I've really sure
4: so yes yeah. just- I don't really know what was going on so
1: yeah yeah and then what about for yourself um
3: well obviously I didn't choose to tell mum and dad it was like Rose started the conversation and then it kind of continued on to me and I didn't want to say anything to mum and dad but I obviously I'm three years older than Rose so I kind of knew more about the situation than she did and I knew it was wrong and I just wanted to protect her more than anything so I did tell mum and dad and I think that's probably where my courage came from was knowing that by speaking out it was helping Rose more than anything.
1: Mm, I love that the power of a protective big sister I, I just this is the part I think that I just want to jump and give you guys a big hug because I think like I, I understand that because like even though I, I didn't know anything was happening nothing happened to my siblings I always worried something would so that's why I didn't say anything mm-hmm. and the power of you speaking up, Rose, gave Pippa the courage to then speak up. And that's the power of this conversation and being able to share like this. Like, I have goosebumps, you guys, and it's freaking cold, but I'm like, you know, like it's just it's just so powerful. And I don't think you realise the ripple effect that can happen from these conversations, and it's just so important. So well done to you guys. And um, to Michelle and Brant. like that moment, like, I can imagine felt like your stomach fell through the floor.
2: Um, well I remember I remember it was um, eight o'clock on the Sunday morning and the girls had been sleeping but like, moving up to um not knowing how to But I remember being someone must have been Rose come down to our bed during the night and just did a half time swap over so I went and jumped into um bed and uh, she had a clean bed. Uh, And then Michelle woke us in the morning and she looked like someone had died. So I knew something was up on her face. Um, I just wasn't sure what was going to unfold. But then uh, once that uh, conversation started there, that was, um, yeah, the worst thing that any parent, especially for me as a father who's meant to be the protector and everything like that could have heard, was that... um, Firstly, it was the first child had been um, abused. But then obviously, the, as we found out later in the day or well, that morning, um, there was two involved. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I've, It's interesting you say that, Brent, because that's the same thing my mum and dad said. They felt like someone had died. And yeah. um, I don't think we kind of talk about that. Anymore. And I
2: the, the thing that a lot of people have this misconception of is that when you if, it, if someone had asked me before, if it all started, what I'd do, I'd be like, every other person, every other mother, I'd say, okay. I'm going to go and get me there. But
5: what really happened is that you see your kids in a state and you see your family so
2: broken that your first
5: instinct is like, a father or
2: parents that are to hold close and all of a sudden we're two, three, four weeks down the track before you sort of can even start gathering your thoughts about the, you know... Um, the perpetrator, for instance, in this case.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I just, I think what, what, um, what, when we ended up actually having conversation. And I just love you guys that you've been able to stick so close together because I sort of told my family, and then I buggered off on a scholarship to America, and we never actually got to have this um, conversation. Um, but it's really about that loss of kind of what. Well, how I understood it, and I'm still learning too. Like when more, more I talk about it, the more I kind of get little light bulb moments, and it's like um, the loss of what could have been.
2: Yeah, and, and especially for the kids, I think it's for us, that loss of innocence—that you know—that I suppose for us, you dream that your kids are going to go and have that nice childhood, and they're going to get all the schooling and enjoy their sports you do all that sort kind of thing along the way and you're just gonna enjoy the ride with them. And then all of a sudden that innocent factors being taken completely away So you. You question all that's going on. There's no hands like I said the, the navigational process of all this was difficult. There's no person that just you call upon where you got to go to and they give you all the answers. You gotta work it out for yourself, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Um so what about um the next step that happened to you guys so moving forward so you've made the, the you spoke to the police what was that process like for you guys
0: um i suppose that's another thing you know you sort of think that you're going to have this life changing moment and and then you naturally the grass
5: um, somebody else could um, do it
0: for us. Yeah,
5: so we, I thought that the first response would come and that would be the start of the process for us.
0: They would turn up and, you know, we'd sort of hand over the information to them and it would all happen from there. And it wasn't like that at all. You know, they turned up to our house, we had to keep the girls away from them, like they, they weren't actually allowed to have contact with the girls,
5: um,
0: And they took a report from Bren and I. And, you know, in the morning, I kind of went into autopilot mode and, as I said, I'm a teacher, so I'm a mandatory reporter. I've had to report every, um, every year around this sort of thing and, you know... I sort of ran on autopilot, I think, for the morning. And then when these people turned up, like, I can honestly say I felt like I was
5: out of body.
2: I think, on top of that, I mean, for us, because we had two kids involved um, almost straight away, our brains went through keeping them somewhat separated on this first day as well, because we didn't want. Um, the authorities or whatever anyone else been able to say that this was um, together and, and there was contaminated evidence and all this sort of stuff. So our brains were already starting yeah. to think.
0: And though, like those words sort of became, you know, more apparent during the process. But I think naturally we kind of knew that we had to do that, which I
5: don't know if that's weird or
0: not.
5: who knows. Um, but, yeah, that, pro- that process was um, difficult. And...
0: Because our kids were considered safe, you know, by the authorities, which of course they were safe because we weren't going to let them, um, we were, weren't going to let them be in his presence again. Um, so we kept
5: the priority by the police, um,
0: which I can understand if I'm not involved at the time, but for us that was really tricky um, because it just meant. That that we waited, we just waited eight days until um, we could speak to the actual investigators. Um, And, again, as I said, not knowing the process, being thrown into this other world was really confusing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I can imagine. And then was it like that for you girls too? Do you remember? Um, Honestly, I don't know about you. I don't
3: remember pretty much any of it. The first the way back I can remember, like the furthest thing back is actually going into the police station. I don't remember the day that we told. I don't really remember anything like that. Like, I can remember some of the things, but it's not like a clear. Well, and I think the reason they don't remember
5: is because what we did was the next day they went
2: to school. We tried to take things as normal as possible.
5: Yeah.
2: And we didn't, um, we didn't tell anyone. We kept it within the four walls at that point of time. I mean, we didn't tell um, family or friends or anyone at that point. And because I think in our own world, we probably didn't really think it was real. I and mean, then secondly is that the person that's involved in this was um, involved in the community and been here a lot longer than us, that uh, who's going to believe... Us, or is it going to be the kids are going to believe. So, yeah, so basically, yeah, so we went from um, a point where we sort of I suppose we pulled ourselves right back out of everything and even taking, say, Rose to a, uh, or the girls to any of their sporting events or school drop-offs it was like we were waiting for someone to come around the corner we were, didn't want anyone else to know what was going on, we had like and this is probably a bit me like where i'm sort of um in my headspace. i was sort of thinking that we had to protect them more and more now so we didn't want anyone else knowing um and it wasn't until how long later that we sat down with you yeah about four, well, it was
0: four weeks it probably yeah. felt longer but mm. yeah look, and i think you know it, it goes back to that thing that um There was a part of us and I certainly had um, feelings that people wouldn't believe the story. Um, And, yeah, but we also just wanted to keep things normal for the girls. And I actually, I really struggled with that for a a little while when I reflected back. You know, I said to a a counsellor one day, I cannot believe I sent them to school the next day. Um, and she said to me, but what you've forgotten, Michelle, is that their their world actually got better that day. It was mm-hmm. your world that changed. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, that's sort of my out. Sorry, girls. Yeah. But you would have learned something, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> I think it's actually really important because I'm writing a healing course at the moment and one thing I'm encouraging people to do is embrace the healing as it comes because what we tend to do is make this thing so big and so insurmountable that we just don't even cross the, the mountain we don't even try because it just seems too hard and I think when we just take these steps as part of our day-to-day routine we can do the healing in our day-to-day routine yeah you know? that's that's just how I look at it and it's just a, a different perspective but I think it's I think, a important perspective
2: and I for me I had a boss that was um that was really great for, for me and he, he told me i could do whatever i want but he encouraged me to keep coming to work and and um uh, being involved in work so what that meant for me was i was just um going to work all the time and but you know I, I would have that cry on the way to work or i'd have that sort of outlet during lunchtime or whatever it would be when no one else was around but normality was great in the in hindsight so trying to get normality back into your life and trying to um, uh, keep some sort of consistency there was um, what I needed. And I think, you know, that's what we did as a whole.
1: Yeah. So in all of this, um, there was a couple of big key gaps that you as a family identified that you felt were quite difficult. So for you guys, um, Pip and Rose, having to go through the um, experience itself, like what were the things that you thought should have been done differently to make it a less traumatic experience for you guys?
4: Well, obviously we had that two-year gap, which means we have to try and remember something from two years ago. And I know for me that I um, had to remember the dates and like where it happened. It was crazy to think that people would want me as a, like a young child to try and remember dates from two years ago um, because that's how it works. Like it like makes me a bit mad that that's how they have to get their evidence in a way. Mate, oh, I don't, know.
1: Mate, I don't me- remember what I did yesterday, so I can <laughs> understand exactly what you're saying about having to try to recall something, especially when you're a kid and, you're not gonna, you don't even know what day it is when you're a child. <laughs> yeah, like having
4: the, um, the language more appropriate for the kids would have, oh, that would just change oh, like everything by itself.
1: Yeah.
3: I still remember there was um, a question that I was asked, and it was about where there was like a craft tub, like just you know, one of those clear plastic tubs that you get from the like a shop. And it was like, where in the room was that? And I was like, I don't remember like I haven't been there for nearly three years and they're like but if you were there you'd remember I was like I don't know I was flustered because I was like I don't remember where that was I can tell you what happened but I can't remember where in a room a tub was like it just felt like it was so irrelevant and they were trying to trick me into saying something that wasn't necessarily true and like they kept going with it and asking me the same question trying to kind of tell me that it was here but it, oh was it there like and it felt so irrelevant but I was like as a kid I didn't know what to do and I was flustered and I just broke down into tears and had to take a break because I was like like I don't want to stuff this up like I don't I don't know what I'm saying like, mm. it was just so irrelevant, but I felt like I had to answer it yeah I think yeah, it's
2: important to put some context around where how long the girls were on the stand for so Rose can you remember how long you were on the stand for?
4: I just remember, like, it had to be, I had to go there multiple times, because some Yeah, scenario. so there was, because
0: um, there was a pre-trial first, because the strategy, the first defense strategy is always to separate, try and get the separate trials. So the girls actually had to live, listen to their evidence during that period of time, too. So they listened to the evidence and then they did the trial and they tried to separate them so that, you know, there'd be two separate juries that never were had any knowledge that there were two victims. Um, so that happened first. So that was sort of a week. And then um, they impanelled a jury in the second week. That Fortunately, the judge kept them together. impanelled a jury um, and then Rose heard her evidence again. So when we say heard, they recorded her evidence. Um <laughs>
2: So I think Pip, you're on the stand.
5: You how many days you're on
0: the stand for? Yeah. So I think Rose, Rose was on for about five because they had to. She had to listen to everything a few times, um, and then Pip was. Well, she was definitely. It went over a weekend, so I think she was nearly five, six days, with with lots of interruptions in between legal yeah. argument and gamesmanship and. Although the
4: trial was four and a half weeks, yeah, yeah. that's incredible. So, but did, did I can't remember for sure, but didn't one of the jury um fall asleep while I was doing yeah. mine?
0: Yeah, they did. So then they had to like impanel a new jury. Yeah. So Rose actually did have to listen to her evidence three times. Um, which was difficult, and one of the things that happened to Rose while she was in there too was um, we had a witness support person that was supplied by the court, um, and she was lovely. We'd sort of had we'd had conversations with her leading up to that period of time, um, and Rose was asked to read from a um, read from her statement. Um, Rose couldn't read, um, so. the the lovely person stepped up and turned the page for her so she was on the right page um, and they said that she was helping Rose so she was then taken and she wasn't allowed back in the courtroom um, or in the room to help the girl so you know there was lots of little things like that that happened that just kept delaying the process
1: Um,
0: and you know again it's a it's a defense strategy that they've been allowed to use for a really long time
1: yeah I think that's something we need to like definitely change because you know that's what abusive partners do to their you know husbands and wives when they're coercively controlling them that's that's gaslighting you know it's uh it's a way to make you come undone so that you don't kind of know your own truth yeah Um, and one
0: of the things that we've discovered you know in this process um because i like look i come from a very socially just family Um, some of who are sending their love to us in their comments. Um, And it was really important to us that, you know, we went through this process so the girls could be re-empowered. Again, we were naive in that. Um, Whilst we have an adversarial system in New South Wales and Australia, the court case is always going to be about who is the best arguer on the day. It's not about the humans involved in the trial. Mm. Um, So...
2: We, yeah. So I think it's important to probably bring online now is that the the girls have been able to, and with their parents, Michelle and myself, we've been able to pick up what was the witness intermediary program or pilot program, which was run in New South Wales. That was only being run over a couple of um, jurisdictions within New South Wales. Um, and the girls met with Dominic in February, Yeah. in February and um, he committed $63.4 billion to the program going statewide. So now a lot of what we talk about won't happen to the next generation of victims coming through. So um, what will happen now is that the kids or well, uh, victims uh, will be... Um, interviewed within the first six months of the um um allegation that, the right word? yeah the allegation and then um and then basically they won't actually have to go to court because um someone will be there that will work on behalf of ask questions on behalf of the prosecution and defense and um it'll take that i suppose that really rigid call it structure out of it and bring it back down to a child level uh, to be able to give us some language and um, some evidence in in what they can they can deliver, not what the adults in the room want to be.
0: supporting them so that they can participate equitably yeah. in the process. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think the process of getting to this point needs to really be fleshed out too because we couldn't have done it on our own um, and it wasn't until the girls were able to... Um, do what we did last year um, so that we could get to this point. Um, And I think, you know, um, well, Rose, do you want to talk about what your project was last year? Pardon? Did you want to talk about what your project was last year?
4: Well, my first idea was to ride around Australia um, for Bravehearts, which is, um, like, a foundation that, like, teaches people about child sexual abuse and um, making sure that there's people there to help you. Um, But people in the family thought I was going to go for a year off school. Um, (laughs) Kind of that, mate. (laughs) which, Which was very sad because, I mean, it would have been helpful, but... Um, So I I decided to ride from Sydney Downing Centre.
1: Which is where we did our court case.
4: Yes. To um, Cos Harbour, which is where where our
3: detective lives. It was on our case. Um, Yeah.
4: Yeah. So that was the idea and that's what we went with, um, which was really, really good. And yeah. So how far was that? Um, mom, you track the Ks. <laughs> um,
0: oh, look, she did about 40 Ks a day because we did it, she did it as a mountain bike rider because we weren't going to let her ride an the M1. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, you know, when Rose came to us about that, um, they wanted, the girls obviously wanted to put some advertisement out there and, and those types of things. And we started hitting some barriers and, um, I started looking into, oh, and we did say to them too, you know, like you want to raise funds, is there anything else that you think people need to know about this? And girls, this is where you say? Court is shit. shit.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they did. They said court is shit. They wanted people to know that that process was not okay for young people. Um, but I just had in the back of my mind that, um, you know, about gag laws, you know, we'd heard all of these things. Um, And so I started doing a little bit of research and I reached out to um, Nina Fennell from the Let Us Speak campaign um, and Michael Bradley from Mark Lawyers and just sent them an email to see if they could give me some advice (laughs) about whether or not the kids would be able to do this. And then what happened next turned into this amazing um, people, uh, amazing thing where we met the most incredible people that are advocating um, and made it possible for Rose to be the youngest person in Australia to publicly use her voice to say, I'm a survivor and this is my story. Um, and that wouldn't have happened without the input of Nina and and Michael and Lauren and, um, you know, news.com.au, the team there, the legal team. They, they did that for us so that the girls could do what they've done. And also they've launched the, you know, the justice shouldn't hurt campaign so that they can look and at what's happening, you know, in New South Wales and, you know, hopefully, potentially one day look at you know, what's happening for the rest of Australia so that we can make this process more equitable because it's something that we can control.
5: Yeah.
0: Um, it's something that we can change. It's just that we needed young people to be able to use their voice so that people's hearts got involved. Mm. Um, yeah, And I
2: think it's probably important to mention um, our know, local member at the time, or well, still is, Justin Clancy. So Michelle went down and had a meeting with him um, and they had the right to... I can't remember, wouldn't have to write to it's the petition. petition. They write the petition, that was what I'm looking for. And um, they come back and said, you need
0: 20,000
5: 20, signatures. signatures.
2: <laughs> and um, we said, yep, no worries, that's fine. Is that all we got to do? And they said, yep, no, that's all you got to do. And the, the Peter, he's offside and said, you know, people will probably five, if you get 500, you're doing pretty well. Um,
0: and, you know, without the team, you know, without Nina, who's just the most amazing advocate and a survivor advocate, um, and that team at news.com.au, we wouldn't have got there. We got to twenty, I think it was 27,000 signatures in 12 hours. Um, yeah. And, again, it's because people's hearts got involved. Our girls were able to tell their story and be honest about what was happening yeah. and get things done. I don't
2: think it was just the hearts. I think it was just... People had a right of justice too. People, you know, once they read the stories and they, they understood what was going on, and people thought this is all right. So it's. You know, well, one changed. of the
0: biggest issues that there is is that there's silence on this issue.
2: Yeah, yeah well, so, I
4: mean, when I started the ride, um, I had to go on my birthday because I wasn't allowed to speak yet, which was <laughs> like even like something that just is like another brick wall hitting, like you're running just another one, another one, another one. It's, should have taken up hurdles. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so what was it like for you girls to to be the cover of the Justice Shouldn't Hurt campaign and how did that feel for you? Okay. okay. Um,
3: I think at the start we kind of didn't realise how big it was going to be. So we are kind of like, oh, yeah, like a couple of people will read it and then, you know, it's suddenly trips to Sydney and doing all these amazing things and getting to, you know, meet incredible people and that sort of thing. It's like... At the start we we're kind of like oh yeah we'll just be you know a couple of people read about us and whatnot but it's it's very um it definitely gives us some confidence and it's kind of i don't know it's very inspiring in ourselves like i wouldn't have been able to do it without rose doing it as well you no, i wouldn't have been able to do it without people or yeah. mum and dad like supporting yeah. us way. but it's good because it means, and since then, like, obviously there's people that, like, other survivors that have come out and told their story and it's amazing that, like, although we started voicing it, you know, we're just the voice of every other person that's ever faced anything like this. So in a way it just, I don't know, it's a really good feeling. <laughs> and what about you, uh, Rose, the same?
4: Well, she always steals me words. like, it's the same. It's just <laughs> incredible to see how much you can achieve in so little time, like, even with how you feel like you're not confident enough to do that but then you have all their support and it's just like boom like you're booming like you're crazy <laughs> and it's just such a good feeling like even being here today like meeting you was like the best it was so cool and then, <laughs> and then people and they're coming to us and saying you're amazing it's just like well I don't feel like that but you make me feel it like you make me yeah. feel that. And it's
3: I just... think with that as well, like it's given us so many opportunities to go around and you know, getting to go to the forum last week, it was we got to go to the like got to go to Brisbane, which I've only ever been there for my sport before. And while we were there, like we were being told by other people that are doing amazing work, like in the same sort of direction that we are, and they're congratulating us on what we're doing. And it's like Oh, it's amazing because it goes both ways. Like, although, yeah, we have said stuff, but you guys are the ones that are actually putting it into action, which is amazing. You guys are putting
1: it into action. Like I like I said, you inspire me. <laughs> so you're the reason I do this, right? So you know, it's, it's mutual, my friend. Um, I, have a, I have a bit of a, a curly question for you. So do you, did you feel brave when you came forward? At um, the beginning? I I felt more nervous
4: on than brave, but I had mum telling me and dad telling me by like by my side, you're brave and you're strong, and that kind of bumped my courage up a bit. But there was still that bit inside me that was like, oh well, should I really be doing this?
1: Like, so that was this is back when you were a little girl. Yeah, yeah. What about you, um, Pip? Um, like when I was younger. Yeah. Did you feel brave then?
3: Um, I more looked at Rose and thought that she was brave for what she, like for what she was doing. I think now when I look back, I'm like proud of myself, proud of myself. I got through what I did and, you know, I spoke my truth and that sort of thing. So I think now I did, but I don't know back then I probably was more scared and a bit confused than anything, but
1: yeah. yeah well, I, was, I was curious. That was my next question was how do you feel now? Because there's a, a period that. I know of growth, especially like and I guess I'm gonna reflect on my own story because I, I felt like an absolute coward when I came forward because I was like, How did I not know that I should have done this before? And I had the courage and the bravery inside of me to do this, but I waited so long, you know, mm-hmm. and then I look back now and I was like now that I understand, I'm like, fuck you're a fucking little legend, Humphreys. <laughs> you know, like and so Well,
4: if we're talking about now, I've got a little secret. I used to have my super rose cape. And I used to think it didn't work, and now it's with my trophies. Like it's on my wall with my trophies, just hanging there. And I look at it and it's just like, oh, damn, I'm amazing! Like, not, I'm <laughs> the world. I
1: love it. I love it. I'm, I'm just, I'm proud of you girls. And I'm sure Michelle and Brent, you must be just so proud of the kids. For
2: sure. Yeah. yeah. And I Absolutely. Think, and I think when you you touched on something there a second ago, Pip, um, about where you get your strength or whatever from. But I remember the very first time we ever went to the police station, and at this point of time, put it in sort of some sort of context, there was about eight days since they disclosed. Um, Pip had the shits because um, it had taken too long to get there. And, um, and then she wasn't gonna to talk to anyone. She wasn't gonna to talk to the police officer, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, by the end of it, when we, she knew that her little sister had to go. She would put a little sister out in front. Pip said, "No, I'll go first. She sort of come back in and stepped back into the uh, framework and took the responsibility. And I think that's the credit to the kids. Every now and then, they can sort of bounce off one another for a bit of strength, or um, I don't know what it is. But they sort of, I think that's been the whole group really. But look, I probably wouldn't mind putting it out there too is the strength of our friends and family as well, because, you know, when we have probably been at low points and I remember when I, told one of my best mates first up, you know, I took him down the back to the shed where we were living at the point of time. So I didn't want to tell it around anyone else. And, you know, told him and basically he embraced me and whatever. And then during the court process, one of my other good mates, you know, look, I was sitting down in the gym, Rose had a little Teddy in the gym there. And she was doing a little workout and, uh, and I'm thinking...
1: <laughs> I'm sure you got big guns there, Rose.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking I'm just about broken. Like, this court thing had been going on for about four weeks and I'm just sort of reflecting and in my own little world, and, you know, one of my mates walks out of the elevator and i like, see him come through. just, it still brings tears to my eyes, you know, like, it's just the most amazing thing to have people that are coming to, you know, support you. And I think in the court, mm. in Downing Centre, for us, you know, that's six hours away. Mm. We had 22 or 23 family and friends come to, physically come to the court.
0: Yeah, like we had our eldest daughter there, and and she's always been super supportive
2: of the girls.
0: And, you know, she was sort of that jigsaw jigsaw puzzle piece um, that was able to, you know, help things throughout the court process as well with her statements and things like that. So... You know, and she was just, she was a 13 year old when we were in court, you know, what a horrible time to go through that because being 13 is difficult for a young girl anyway. Um, But yeah, look, we've been really lucky and I know that sounds weird. Um, There's a few things that we sort of call our lemonade and one is that the offender wasn't a family member, which meant that it didn't divide our family because I think you see that a lot. Um, we, we felt like they were family. That was the relationship we had with these people, but we were able to close the door on them um, without it impacting so heavily on our life. So that was a bit of lemonade. Um, we had, um, you know, we're, we're reasonably intelligent, um, we're reasonably, um, you know, well-resourced and, and our support. And as we said during the conference last week, Kel, we're sitting there with advocates and academics who work in this space all the time. Um, you only need one of those things not to exist, you know, if, if it's not a good support, if it's not um, resources, if it's not education. And I don't know how you manage the process because it's so freaking hard yeah, um, you know, and that's why we have to do what we're doing because it's not—it's not for us, um, you know. And I'm not saying that flippantly. Um, it's almost like we have a responsibility because of our privilege that we need to make sure that other children don't go through what ours did. Yeah,
1: and I think that's—we uh, kind of self sacrifice ourselves on that's probably really bad sentencing <laughs> but like you kind of just throw yourself in because you know it needs to be done like i know this that what i'm doing needs to be done and there's just no plan b right so yeah I've signed up for life that's it um but yeah like you know where there's a gap and it, it needs to be done and you guys have made such an impact already so um it's just yeah it's so powerful and I love the vulnerability of you guys that you're able to share so openly as well. And that's, that's such a, um, you know, testament to you sticking together and um, supporting each other on the journey. So i just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a way I think to show people how to get through this. And if there's any tips, actually, that leads me to my next thing. Um, so for you, Brennan, Michelle, what message, cause I have a lot of people on my network that have to, you know, constantly turn up the court, but um what would you give? What advice to them would you give about this process and how to work with your kids through this process?
0: Um, I, th- I think you just you need to ask questions um, and you need to be prepared to advocate. Um, and if you can't, you need to reach out and have those vulnerable moments where you say, I don't know what I'm doing here. I need you to help me because I don't I don't know. Um, you know, even silly, like I even said that to the judge during, you know, during the court process because he said he said something to me that I just needed to answer the questions. And I said, well, I've never done this before um, because, you know, these are the things that, um, you know, become really difficult. Sorry, did we just drop out then? No, um, you're right. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I think being prepared to ask questions and prepared to advocate, um, but we also, we did try to keep normal. Mm. And Mm. I know it's a new normal, but you know, the kids went to school and some days they didn't want to go to school, but they still had to go to school. There There were the occasional times when we could say that it wasn't okay. Um, and when I say that, I'm not saying once a week. I'm saying once every, you know, once a term. So, um, yeah. There might have been a time when it wasn't okay, um, but you know, I, I I think that's we just had to keep that happening because if we stopped and anchored ourselves where we were, we wouldn't have been able to keep moving mm-hmm. forward.
2: But I think it, I just saw a question come up there about the school, Sorry. school girl, uh, the girl, school younger that. It's probably important, I think, to go on from that where we probably, once we opened up to friends, family and work and and schools and, and everything like that, everyone was super supportive. So everyone wanted to make it work. Everyone was on your team, uh, the girls' team. So um, it's important to understand that um, probably we went, probably what we didn't do well first up was trying to keep it in house. I think um, we were sort of causing our own stress, causing a lot of guessing um, and that sort of stuff going on. So I think once we opened up to family, friends and you know, the, the other water community, um, not putting it completely out there, so sort of thing, we were still trying to be um, private about it, but those that we trusted, um, our space become a lot better.
1: Yeah. I love it. So, girls, same question for you. What would you uh, like to share with other kids that might have to go through this or information for parents? So it could be for either either or, so that parents or other children would need to know about this process that you've learned.
3: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that we need, like, our time. So, yes, we'll tell what needs to be set up front, but I think we don't need to be pushed to ask questions, I mean, push for answers and that sort of thing, I think we'll be ready to talk when we're ready to talk. Um, I think it's kind of hard to prepare anyone for this sort of thing. Like, you know, it's hard to, and every situation is different, so it's hard to say, oh, like, do this, this and this. But I think the biggest thing is to know that there are people that are there to support, whether you're a parent, you're a victim, no matter who you are, like, it's, it's all there and no one's going to push you to say or tell what's, what's happened and that sort of thing. Um, like, obviously, you need to talk to police officers and that sort of thing, but, you know, you just need to wait until you're ready and kind of come to terms with it yourself and know that there are those support systems around you and they'll always be there and that's people's livelihoods to do that sort of thing. And um, I think for us, or for me, definitely, it took a while to realise that it wasn't my fault, like I wasn't in the wrong for anything. I think that reassurance as well is quite important so I don't know that's what I'd say. Yeah, just,
1: yeah. Did Pip steal your words again Rose? She always does. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? What what would you want to say? Uh,
4: it's obviously going to it's going to be hard. It's definitely going to be hard. And I know um, I was young as I've said multiple times but I've heard from Pip how she was struggling to talk and because she felt like they didn't want, well, they didn't want to, they didn't care. That's what she felt like. And I didn't go through that because I was just like, why not? It's just a conversation to talk about.
3: Yeah, I think it needs to be very age appropriate too. Like remember who you're talking to and that sort of thing because obviously Rose didn't understand as much as I did what the whole situation was and what was really going on. So, I mean, you've got your supports and it's just important to remember that you are talking to children and they'll know limited information or some will know more than others and that sort of thing. So it's really case by case, I guess. And, like, one of the things I tell
4: myself a lot is, like, you might not get over it straight away and, like, it might take a lot of time, but you'll definitely get through it. So it's just well,
1: well, that leads me to my next question is how have you guys managed to keep going the way you're going? Like, you've chicken goals, both of you? Well, obviously,
3: like I said before, it's very much we're all there for each other and we've got each other and that's kind of the biggest um, support we have and motivation. But the other thing is that we have the opportunity to speak and have a voice, so why not use it, especially when there's other people that don't have that sort of, um, I don't know if it's much of a gift, but yeah. that much of an opportunity. So i suppose it is both internal but also external factors
4: yeah yeah like as you, um as you can see with all these people commenting like they're supporters and um it was it's way easier going do something and with the help and with the people that are admitting that they love you and telling you that you're like doing amazing it's just like giving giving, giving your motivation I don't really know how to say the words but
1: it's all right you're saying it just fine I I understand very well because I couldn't do this without the wonderful people that continue to show up for me so I I know and they continuously show up and you know even when I stuff up and say the wrong thing which is never I'm like awesome (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you know like I, I know that it matters what I do because I hear from these amazing people And uh, that's why I will continue to show up. And I just, again, I thank you guys for being able to share so um, authentically because it does make a huge difference. So
2: um,
1: what uh, would have been the right support for you guys? So that's another question I have, like, at that time. Um, Like, as in during the court case? Yeah, so it's a bit, hang on, yeah, go with that.
3: (laughs) Well, I think it's kind of hard to know because obviously it was very touch and go with us, like with Rose having a bit of a mishap in the court, uh, in the room that she was in and that sort of thing. And I know I had an, almost a different person with me every day, but it was lucky because I got to have um, like family outside the room so I could go out and see them. But I think I struggled a lot because I did have three different counsellors in the time before court, like from disclosure to a court case. Um, so I was kind of having to relive those sort of moments and tell again and again and again. But the biggest thing is that we had family. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I really, like obviously it helps having that outside, those outside people that, you know, are your counsellors and work specialising that sort of thing. But having family, you just, I don't know how you'd do it without them like or even yeah. just the friends and stuff that stood by you. That's the most important thing for us.
1: Yeah, I think um, one thing I always talk about is early intervention because I, I say that un, unhealed children make unhealed adults, right? So I just want to ask you about that. Like I know um, you've you've had some extensive counselling and stuff like that. So how now as young women do you think that you're, um, by having that support, has helped you to grow and be where you are now?
3: I think it's made me realise like I've been given strategies to kind of cope with what's happening and I've been able to understand, come to terms with things in a different light than what I would have been able to without them. And I think they obviously, especially like your counsellors and stuff that actually work for your sexual assault services, they know how to deal with different cases and that sort of thing. And um, I, th- I feel that they kind of prepared us as much as they could with the knowledge they had for what we were going to go through so i think although it was an absolute shitty situation we wouldn't have been able to go and do what we did and stand as tall as we did without having that prior knowledge and that preparation that we did have with those people in particular and then even afterwards like they gave us an opportunity to just debrief and let it all out and you know they would listen and you don't really want to i know some things that i don't want to tell mum and dad like it's just it's more of a personal thing and I know I can go and talk to someone like that and they'll listen and, you know, they'll give me specific strategies but it's not like I have to really feel obligated to tell them and it's not like it has to just be a drag and weight. You know, you just get it off your shoulders and that's that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Same for you, Rose. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) i just there's this thing i i call it's just like survivors independence right and you know we, we do this thing where we like think we don't need anyone because well we've survived this long so why do we need anyone's help now so the reason i ask that is because there's a lot of people that are out there who are survivors who haven't spoken who haven't got help who haven't got support and i i ask that question because it's just so important even if you never report it you never share it with anyone is to share it with someone and you, you hit the nail on the head um people someone who understands the specifics of child sexual assault or child sexual abuse because it's different dynamics um especially when the person who's who's known to you the abuser, is someone who's known to you so um for anyone who is listening who does have a lived experience and has never shared i really encourage you to find a space a safe person to share with Um, you know, and like Pip and Rose have had some amazing support to find someone who can specialise and help you to understand what happened so you can move forward with power. So um, that's awesome, guys. So we just got a couple of quick questions. I think we've probably answered most of them because we're running out of time here. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, they've probably all covered those. But is there any other comments that you want to share that like lasting messages that you want to give to anyone out there? Um, who, who like you, might have a story, Like what message would you want to leave with them? One thing
4: that I would say, and it's just short and sharp, but just know that people out there care, like they actually do care. Even if it doesn't seem like they do, they definitely do.
3: Yeah. And I think I touched on it earlier, but, you know, we are the voices and we are talking now and we're being very loud, but, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without knowing that we are voicing other people's experiences and that sort of thing. So... You know, although we are the forefront of this right now, it's it's not like, you know, if you have your own story, it's not the same. It it's we're just voicing it for the people that can't. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to recognise that even if you're not speaking up and you're not doing that, you know, we're we're here for you and we're here with you and we're all walking the same journey together.
1: It's beautiful. Is there anything you want to say about Justice Journey itself?
3: Um I think everything that we've talked about kind of Covers it. We're just, you know, trying to make things easier for everyone and make the justice system more just. And, yeah.
0: and look, we're super grateful to people like yourself, Kelly, who provide a space for people like Nina Fennell who just fight and fight to make sure that uh, that survivors are heard um, and and safe and supported. Um, you know, making sure that the process of getting the story, as Nina says. Um, is better than the story itself. So allowing the space to talk and, and yeah. share um, is really important because we don't want to be silenced anymore. Um, the shame doesn't, you know, does not belong to survivors, um, yeah. you know, and, you know, we need to keep that story going um, so that other people have the, the strength and the courage to, to stand up to um and, you know, do it in a
1: safe way. <laughs> Absolutely. Safe people, safe places. Um, mm-hmm. So, Michelle, just for yourself, is there any message that you would like to share with the mums out there who've got kids, who've got a story?
0: Oh, look, um, I just want to say, you know, for, ki- for parents who've had to to listen to um, these things, um, you know, you're amazing because <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know the parents. Um, there's trauma in listening to the things that have happened to your children. Um, so, you know, I think that they need to take care of themselves too.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you that, but I wanted to ask Brent the question for the for the dads because dads don't talk, um, dads mm. share. So, I'd
2: yeah, I think I think I'd probably just go back a fraction further. So, become, don't be predictable that's one of the first things I would say in before anything ever happens. So if there's, if I had my choice over again, I wouldn't be rocking up at two o'clock or whatever the routine is, be unpredictable. So if there is a potential um, perpetrator or whatever in the environment that they, um, you might catch them off guard early. That's the first thing. The second thing about um, the, 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 for me, the family and the, probably more so my friends, and I've got a couple of really good mates that have been under, uh, to unload on them because there is no, like the girls had counselling, the girls still go to counselling, there's no thing for the dads. So that's that's not, there's nothing there. So, you know, I probably bottled it up for, for a while and then it wasn't till I was able to download and I still download on a couple of my mates here and now every now and then. Um, but it's good for me to be able to do that. Otherwise, it stays inside me. Mm.
1: Yeah. So my last question um, before we, we, we did wrap everything up is how do you guys all look after each other? So as a unit uh, and a family moving through this, because a lot of families, this destroys families, this, this separates mm. families, it breaks families apart. So what is it that you do to help support each other when, you know, because one person could be at like 10% and the other person's like pinging off the walls. Like how do you work with the dynamics of this? We live. Yeah. We (laughs)
0: live.
2: I don't know. There was a similar question at the conference that was asked for that and I probably, in reflection, didn't quite answer it right. I I mean, when you look at, except when Rose is doing that, when you look at our kids for us um, and then you have people come to us and tell us how great they are and how strong they are, all of a sudden, if I'm at that 10% capacity like you're talking about, I get lifted back up and I I look to my kids on the shelf for a bit of inspiration every now and then to do that. And I think that's the thing: is every time one of us is probably down, we can look sideways to the next one and sort of that sort of picks you up. So it's not always sort of Dad Dragon or Mum Dragon. It's along. It's or it could be Maggie. Maggie could be bringing a sense of humour to the conversation because she'll say something silly. Like um, send
0: us a text message and
2: say you all need to smile more. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, mm. it's the five of us. It's not the four of us, it's the five of us. And I think it's it's super important to remember that there is five in this group and it's um, it's when one's down and someone else picks up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe Maggie will come on the next podcast with you guys. <laughs> maybe. We're waiting for the
0: text message.
1: No. <laughs> uh, uh, I was just going to say it sounds like a sense of humour is, is a really um, – important part of it as well. And I, I totally, that's why I crack really shitty bad jokes. Also, <laughs> well, all right, dad does too. <laughs>
3: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's that's his prerogative, right? <laughs> all right, guys. So, look, thank you so much for your time tonight. I, I just would love to, like, jump through the screen and, like, give you guys all a big hug. But I just thank you so much for showing up, being authentic. Um, there's a lot that we didn't get to chat about tonight, so we may have to do a uh, round two. two. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for everything. And guys, if you've listened tonight um, and you have enjoyed what you've heard, please consider being part of my Patreon group um, at KellyHumphries.com forward slash. Oh, no, hang on. Patreon forward slash Humphries. You'll see it at the bottom of the screen. Um, and your support will help me keep the live shows running. I think they're essential because I think it's important for those out there to see faces, uh, which is why we also run the live shows. So Uh, Thank you guys for being part of it. Um, We'll be back again in two weeks and that's it. So we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. And
0: thanks to all the people that um, jumped on too because there's some lovely
1: comments there. It's Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Breaking cycles of abuse and trauma is not something that can be done alone and requires all of us working together. Your support makes a huge difference. If you've found the content of this podcast valuable, you can support my work through my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. You can also find me on all major social media platforms. Through my website, kellyhumphreys.com, you can contact me for speaking in workshops as well as purchase my first book, Unscathed Beauty. If you found any of the content today distressing, please reach out to appropriate support agencies in your country. For emergencies, contact your local law enforcement agency.